so uh, we begin with the Spirit of God coming upon the people of God, the earliest followers, and they met in the temple courts praying. Now persecution happens, and the, the persecution happened because the people of God were beginning to say strange and challenging things like, this temple, although it's lovely and beautiful, is now no longer the home of God. That's a pretty uh, courageous thing to say to a group of people who revere the very place where God has dwelt up until this point. And so, um, you know, as, as this persecution happens, this guy named Stephen comes out and proclaims this message and tells the, the, the religious leaders that they're hard-hearted and they're just like all the ancestors who killed the prophets, just like they killed Jesus. And uh, they come and here's one of their things. This man, who this Stephen, never stops speaking words against this holy place and the law. And so the temple becomes this great dividing point of where God's spirit lives. And uh, now what happens after this, the, they, the, the people start dispersing, going far and wide, taking the spirit with them. And, and God's spirit goes with Paul. And three times God shows up to Paul, either in a vision or a dream, saying, it's okay, I'm with you. I'm, taking, I'm with your people. I'm taking my presence into the whole world. And then finally, Paul, after all his missionary journeys, at near, nearing the end of, end of his story, uh, comes back to the temple, back to Jerusalem. And the whole city was stirred up because they thought Paul was part of this movement. And now he's, he's talking with people who shouldn't be part of the God's temple because they're, they're unclean, they're, they're Gentile people. And so the whole story, the city was stirred up by Paul being there, and the people rushed together from all around. They seized Paul and dragged him outside the temple, and the gates were shut at once. And this is, this is not just part of a good story. This is very explicit language by the writer of the gospel, of, or the writer of Acts. The temple doors were shut. This is the great final closing of the temple, because uh, the Jewish people didn't didn't see their Messiah. They didn't catch the coming of God and now his, his spirit coming out into all the world. And so uh, finally the, the story ends with God's people in Rome at the heart of the Roman Empire uh, free to preach the gospel. And instead of, um, you know, we get this idea that the gospel goes far and wide but now it's also at the heart of power preaching. And, and we know if you follow the story eventually the Roman emperors become Christians. Uh, and then the story goes on. So all that to say, when we think about this idea of the community of God being a place where the Spirit dwells, we have to understand a bit of the temple story and how the earliest churches were part of this movement. Well, one more thing before we get into the scripture here today is that not only did the, the people spread far and wide and they, not only did they take God's Spirit with them, but they did it in a way where they met in each other's homes. We know that the early Christians began meeting in homes. And we get that right away in Acts 2.46, which we'll see today. They broke bread together in various homes. Uh, at some points you'll see uh, Simon Peter coming to stay in the home of a guy named Simon the Tanner. Uh, in Acts 8.3, we see Paul, before he was a Christian, was doing great damage to the church by going from one house to another, dragging off men and women and throwing them into the prison. These were Christians meeting in homes, and Paul finding them out and dragging them off to jail. And then in 1 Corinthians, we get a little bit of insight into this when Paul's writing his, after he becomes a Christian, he's writing these great letters to different churches. Meet in God's presence, everyone. First uh, Corinthians 16, 19, the churches in Asia send their greetings. Aquila and Prisca send you many greetings in the Lord together with the church in their home. Aquila and Priscilla, or Prisca, Prisca, they were leaders of a church that met in their homes and they're sending greetings to those other churches in Rome where they used to live. So um, they, were, they were home church movements. 
This is how it all started. This is how our faith began, spreading the gospel far and wide, spreading God's presence, spreading the holy land, meeting in homes. So that's just a little backstory here to help us understand what I'm going to say today. So here we go. We get to the, our, our central scripture where we get the main four things that Christians, churches do. Those who welcomed his message were baptized. This is Peter speaking. And those who welcomed Peter's message were baptized. And that day about 3,000 persons were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. All came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. So grassroots began as a home church, as a house church, as a group of a few people gathering together in, in a home and devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to breaking of bread, to prayer, and to meeting needs. And it, it began that way. And it began in 2002. And slowly over the course of time, God added people to its number. And uh, until we find ourselves in 2017 here today um, and uh, we've done this thing for the past many years called Tribes, which is kind of like a, it's kind of been like a home, home group, kind of been like a, a home church thing, although it's kind of, it has been more like uh, deacons, people out uh, caring for one another in, in ways. It was kind of more of a pastoral care thing. And so I've, I told you last week, and I'll tell you this week, you know, we preach a bit of the sermon and we stay oriented to some scriptures, but then this message kind of becomes as well kind of in, an in-house conversation, a meeting with the, the family of grassroots. What are we going to do going forward? How are we going to hit these big four? How are we going to stay oriented to the kingdom of God in all of its glory? And what are we going to do as a church? And uh, my heart, and I think it's the heart of many, is to, to, just to the, the way forward is the way backward. What, what I mean by that is uh, the... Um, the way that, that, that many people's hunger and, and thirst has been growing in this community is to say, how can we get back to that? How can we get back to the time when, when we were in each other's homes, when we were breaking bread together, when we were praying together, when we were uh, opening our hearts over the scriptures? And so as we go forward, we're going to step into a home group experiment and trying to maybe get, recapture some of this heart of where grassroots began of where our whole movement began uh, in, in home church. And I want to talk a little bit about that today because as we do that, as we unveil this, as we uh, go forward with talking about home groups, uh, you know, I think we have to be a bit strategic to do this. I mean, we're coming out of, of, of many years where we haven't as a church really had that. Uh, we, we got kind of too big to, to do that anymore. Not, we couldn't really fit in any one home. And so uh, I want to talk about the specifics. How are we going to do this? If we're going to go forward and if we believe that we want to recapture the spirit of breaking bread in each other's homes and meeting needs of each other, how are we going to do this? How are we going to go forward? So here's what's going to happen in the coming weeks and months. I'm, I'm pulling together four test beta groups uh, that will do uh, home groups. They'll meet every other week and they'll meet for two months. And it's just going to be an experiment. Uh, with, with a number of people. Now, some of you have been in tribes before, 
and some of you have, weren't in tribes before, those of you who are in tribes have all gotten a letter this summer saying, uh, hey, we're transitioning into home groups. Let me know if you want to stay with your tribe or if you want to try something new or if you want to be a leader of a home group. And I've got a response from about a third of you, which is fine. That's okay. I don't know. It's summertime. Uh, but here's the thing. Rather than just launching out and trying to put everyone in home groups and just get it going, we're going to have an, do it in phases. We're going to kind of start out with four experiment groups. And uh, those are pretty much filled at the, at the moment with the people who have um, written. And then every six weeks, and this will continue on, we're going to do a dessert night called Discover Grassroots or Discover uh, Home Groups. And there's going to be dessert night and everyone's invited to that. You are invited to a dessert night every six weeks if you're not part of a home group. Now, I don't want this to deter you from being part of a home group just because you're going to get dessert every six weeks. That's not the point. Um, uh, but, but if you're not part of a group if you, and, and if you, if you don't, be part, don't get part of one right away, come to these dessert nights and slowly we're going to get people into new groups. Now, if you, if you don't get into one of these four beta groups, these test groups, I'm going to be running every other week on a Monday night, I'm going to be running like an uh, example group. So here's what you might experience in your home group. So you'll see, you'll see sign-ups for that. Um, you'll, you're, you can feel free to come to that at any point, uh, as many times as you wish, just as sort of a taste for those who don't get an actual beta groups. Now, uh, with that to say, um, uh, one of the, um, I'm getting to the nitty gritties here before I got into the big picture. I got ahead of myself. I'm so excited about these groups. I just think, I mean, to me, grassroots is at this really lovely place in which we have like one to 10 new people coming into the, to the doors every week. This is like un, an unbelievable number of new people for churches in this day and age in the place that we live. Uh, I have a friend down in Texas who is, is a buddy of mine, and I was just kind of telling him this dynamic. He's like, Keith, I have one to ten new people every year coming to my church. And, and we have one to, ten, one to ten people every week. And that may have something to do with the big signage in front or the big busy road that we're on, but it probably has more to do with the quality of you and uh, um, yeah, hoot, um, and um, the, the, people, the people here. Uh, so the, the challenging thing is, is when sociologists talk about church and, and, and our social spheres in general, they, know, they, they note that we can only have room for about 150 people in our, in our sphere, which means we have about a, room for about 150 people with whom we can know their kids' names, know their challenges, kind of be part of their life. Once you get past that, even though social media is kind of blurring that a little bit, but once you, once you get past 150, you recognize, I have no more room for anyone else in that way in my life. And churches that reach 150 people experience this dynamic. And when you come in as a new person through the door at, at grassroots, um, you come, you're, you're walking into a community of unbelievably warm and loving people. And yet you're coming into a group of unbelievably loving, warm people who know that they don't have room in their life for another person. Um, and so we get this dynamic where it is a bit hard to break in. It is a bit hard to be known here. It is a bit hard at this point to come in fresh and new. And that's a, that's a challenge. That's a sad thing because there's so much good to discover here. So many lovely people. And so rather than, rather than sort of putting our sticks in the bud and saying, well, it's just your job to be part of this movement if you want to be. You got to work, force your way in or whether... Rather than looking in your eyes and saying, come on, grassrooters, I know you got 150, but now you need 200. Now you need more and more. Rather than doing that, the, um, 
the challenging things for churches to do is to move from home group, small church, 150 people, 200. I mean, we go from 150 to 230 on any, any given sort of Sunday in, in, the, in the year. And um, rather, than, rather than fighting against that, let's, let's ask ourselves, how can, we, how can we work with this so that we can move to a place where maybe not everyone can know everybody else and know their kids and know their tr- struggles and trials, but how can everyone who wants to be known by someone in this church? If you want to be known here, if you want to find this community, I mean, look, look at this. Day by day, they broke bread with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. I mean, this is profound, lovely community that the world doesn't know. But this is Christian community at its best. How can everyone who walks in this door be part of something like that? And the best way to do that, the best way I know, is to have home groups. Uh, and so, anyway, we're going we're gonna to launch out, and it's going to take probably a full year to really get our groove in home groups. And it'll be part of my job to orchestrate that movement forward. And, and um, uh, so we, we begin with four beta groups, four trial groups. We're going to see if it works, see what the challenges are in a busy age like this. If you don't get into a beta group you'll, every other week, if you want, you can be part of my um, experimental, uh, come and ex- experience what a small group feel might look like. Um, and over the course of time, we're just going to un- unroll, unroll this thing bit by bit. So in six weeks' time after our launch on September 10th, there'll be a Discover, Grassroot, Discover Home Groups dessert night. And if you're not part of a group and you want to be part of one, that, at that point you come and we'll, we'll put you in one. And, and it will go kind of forward like this. Now, there's all sorts of um, ground rules to these groups in a way that creates good, good, experience, good experiences. I need to talk about this a little bit. Uh, because some of us have had really kind of challenging home group experiences. And the, bad, the worst of the worst home group Bible studies go like this. You come to someone's home, and maybe there are two or three people there, and you, th- and you go, uh-oh, well, we don't have critical mass. Let's just eat together and we'll meet next time. So, okay, so then you try to get it next time. Now, if that happens two times in a row where the only two people shows up, that's pretty much the end of a group. <laughs> This life is really, it's really difficult to bring a group back to life after that. So you get to a group the next time, and there's 10 or 11 people there. And what happens is, is maybe you chit-chat about your favorite sports teams for a while. And then, what, then at some point, someone starts teaching. There's a leader of the group that spends about 30 or 40 minutes giving you a mini-sermon, and you're sitting there taking it in. And after that, maybe one or two loudmouths people uh, get a chance to talk, and people, verbose people, get a chance to share their opinions. And you go away feeling like, I didn't contribute anything to that. I didn't learn anything from that. And that was a bad experience. So if that's been your experience with small groups and home groups, I am so sorry. (laughs) That's not what good fellowship looks like, good spiritual fellowship. And here's what it does look like in my my view. I've... Small groups, home groups are kind of my bread and butter, so to speak. I've done probably 300, not different groups, but 300 sessions of groups over the course of my time. I just, I love it. And when you do it right and when you do it well, the Spirit of God comes in and inspires you every single time. And so, again, there's the big four. We're talking about home groups meeting each other's homes here. Uh, and we're going to talk about formation in common. Formation in common is the way that I learned home small groups and the way that I've found... I mean, I'm sure that there's other models to do, other good ones, but this is my favorite and the one that happens. Uh, formation in common is um, a way to get over the many obstacles that some small groups have. Now, 
oftentimes you come into a small group and you're sort of, you, you come to church this way too. Church is kind of like a formation in common in a bigger group. You come into church and you've got lots of cares and anxieties and worries and joys maybe, things that are stirring around in your heart. And it's like, oh, I wish I would have brought a big cup of water. It's like taking a big cup of water and putting dirt in the water and stirring it up. And you get this big cloudy uh, mess. And that's how our hearts are often as we go through life, stirred up, uh, agitated, unclear. Now, if you put a, that glass down on a table, it usually takes about 15 minutes for all that silt, all that dirt, all the stuff to settle down to gain a, a bit of clarity. And that's what, that's what you want at the beginning of any good group. You want some time for yourself to settle so you don't just go spouting off all, the first thing that comes to your mind. Uh, and you want a little, little bit of clarity because what you want in these small groupings is you want to remember that the Spirit of God is with you. And that's the second one, awe over sacred community. The Spirit of God, where two or three of his people are gathered, his very spirit dwells. And we, we have reverence in this time. And this is where a good leader looks at you and says, if you're someone who's talkative, try to choose your words carefully and make them few. Or if you're someone who processes internally and, and don't oftentimes kind of get out right away what you're thinking. You may be thinking something that I need to unlock something in my life. You maybe have something to say that inspires me and opens my heart in ways that I wouldn't be able to unless you spoke. And so we have all over sacred community that God's presence is in the midst. And every single person in the group has a potential to be a mouthpiece for God's Holy Spirit speaking in the group. So we have all, we just remember that. We take a moment to say, um, in all of our different personalities and all of our different uh, quirks, uh, we each have a chance to speak the Spirit of God. God and his message into the room. Now the next one is conversation. And this is the extended part where you've, you've read the scriptures together. You go after all over sacred community. Oh, sorry, reading of scripture. You read the scriptures. And then instead of spouting off all the historical knowledge that you know about this text, all the beautiful ways that you can put it all together nicely, instead of mastering the, the, this text, you do a reading in a way that you let the text master you. It's like... You open your ears, and this takes practice. You open your ears to, you know, what are some words or phrases or ideas that pop out at you? Just like, they're they almost like 3D into your face. That's what spiritual reading's like. And then you start saying to yourself, what am I going through in my life right now that that's touching? Or what have I gone through in my story that that's touching? Why is that touching me? And instead of spouting off all these opinions, that's what, you, you share your, a bit of your story. Here's what I'm going through. Here are my struggles right now. And here's how this God is speaking to me. And it doesn't have to take a long time. It's just a little bit. But bit by bit, meeting by meeting, sharing by sharing time, you get to know each other. You get to know what, they, what do they struggle with? What are, what, are, what are the patterns of their heart like? What have they gone through in their life? Oftentimes groups get together and they spend seven weeks sharing life, the, everyone's life story every week. And that's nice. It's not bad. But after the seven weeks, I've heard everyone's life story, but I barely remember anyone's. And so Formation in Common does it bit by bit. It opens the window of our heart. Now I'll say, I'll, say, I'll say this. One of the reasons why people don't like these groups is because oftentimes they don't get into, um, into this private conversation, this spiritual conversation. Oftentimes it stays in the social level. What are your likes? What are your dislikes? And that can be a real disappointment. If you're coming to have good, rich spiritual conversation and someone's talking about their likes and dislikes, you feel a bit disappointed. In the same way that you feel a bit weird if you come into a group and someone's like, I have problems killing rabbits. 
And you're like, that's too much information, sorry. <laughs> you know, it's like these groups aren't this, also aren't the spaces to come in and share your deep, dark secrets. <laughs> um, there is space for that. There are f- deep friendships with people you trust that you should come in. But if you come in and talk about your deep, dark, someone else is going to go, is that what I'm supposed to be doing here? I'm, I'm out. I'm not, I'm not doing that. So this is, places, this is a good place to talk about your struggles. Get past your likes and dislikes. What are you struggling with right now? What are you going through? How can we pray for you? Um, without going into some of those, those really um, deep, dark places. So we have the conversation. It's beautiful, the way these conversations can go. And then finally, communion. Communion isn't, in small groups, isn't, you can, but it oftentimes isn't dipping uh, bread and, and taking in the, the body of Christ. Communion, in this sense, is what, what do we have in common? We've shared our uniqueness. Now what do we have in common? What might God be saying through us, to us, through the interweaving of our interweaving of themes and ideas. And so this is communion, and the, the, uh, the leader doesn't do any teaching in this model, doesn't, doesn't do any expositing of a text. They're the master listener. They're going, you're sharing and you're sharing and you're saying, what are the themes that are crossing here? And at the, at the center point of these themes, maybe we're all struggling a bit this week with a bit of faith. Maybe God's telling us, I know it's hard to trust me, but I'm asking you to trust me this week. And then everyone gets a chance to do their takeaways. What has God said? Oftentimes I'll ask in groups, in 60 years from now, what are you going to remember from this one conversation? That's a funny way of saying, what's sticking to you? What is God saying to you? And when everyone articulates that, that's oftentimes a beautiful thing as well. Now the end of these formation in common is thanksgiving and, and a bit of direction. So, uh, you know, we can, oftentimes if our hearts are laid bare, we're challenged, we can fall straight into this God, help me. I need help here. And the, the point of this is not, at this point, is not to um, ask for, des- desperately ask for help. It's to thank you, God, for speaking this to me. Thank you for, because you are a God who finishes the good things that you start. This is putting the work back in God's hands. So, formation in common. And I just, I'm going to take the next year here to seed this into the community. Because I think that if we as a community could come and break bread in one another's homes, get into a bit of formation in common, not only will many needs get met among the community, um, but we'll get into this deep spiritual transformative conversation where if you walk into grassroots and you want to be known by someone and you want to be part of something like this, there's a system in place by which we'll get you into a home. We'll get you into a group of people that will be doing this, whether you know them or not. And um, groups, groups work like this. You're going to have eight weeks of trial, speed dating, so to speak. You go in, you try this for eight weeks, and if at the end of eight, eight weeks you absolutely hate your group and you go, I don't, I don't think I can do this, then you, then you come to the next dessert night and you get filtered into another group. That's okay. Uh, but if you make it past eight weeks and you're thinking, this is going to be good, this is going to be something that I want to be part of long term, then that group covenants to stay with each other for another 16 months, every two weeks, meeting, sharing our hearts, breaking bread in each other's homes, praying for one another, meeting needs where possible. And then at the end of the 16 months, oftentimes people need a little break. <laughs> and that's okay too. But then they jump into another group that forms after 16 months. So this is where we're going as a church. This is what we're hoping uh, to do in the coming year is to seed this home group model with formation in common into the community. Now, again, this is going to happen in phases. There are some, for those of you who have responded to me, I've put you in, in uh, some trial groups. And um, you'll, I'm still working all this out. I'm still 
getting people in the right spot. So uh, if you don't, if you haven't heard from me and you think you should have, let me know. If uh, you haven't told me uh, what you what you want going forward, let me know. Uh, but stay tuned. If I do my job well in the next two months, you'll just you'll hear about this like in 14 different ways. Uh, this won't, shouldn't be a surprise to anyone after two months. So. Uh, this is the first time I'm speaking about this publicly, and I'm excited. I think that our community, our community, not only I think will be able, uh, a little more welcoming to new folks at this phase of our church life, but I think that even the people who do consider themselves grassrooters and who come week in and week out and participate and volunteer and stay engaged, um, even if even if you do ha- think that about yourself, I oftentimes look around and I think you know. You guys have gone through some really tough stuff this year. And people go through tough stuff all the time. I watch it. I have a privileged position to see kind of all of your lives unfold as you open them up to me. And I think, you know, some of the stuff that people have gone through this year wouldn't have been quite as gut-wrenching or hard if they would have had a little community that kind of knew about it or knew more about it or knew how to, to carry uh, uh, These groups are meant to create intimacy. These are gr- groups that are helped to create spiritual conversation, um, and, and yet I know that we all go through really difficult times sometimes. So groups will naturally meet each other's needs as they come up, but at some point groups won't be able to handle a crisis or a need. And uh, this is where we talk about meeting as many needs as possible. How are we going to do that going forward? How are we going to meet as many needs as possible? And one of the things I'm doing is I'm creating a, a small-ish a uh, group of people that think of themselves as people who know how to do pastoral care, people who know how to care for each other, who've been trained up or want to be trained up. And I'm, instead of the, the tribe or small group leaders being responsible for care and pastoral care, I'm going to take that into a kind of a team of people who have been acquaint, uh, tri- equipped and trained to care for people who are going through crisis. Now, if, if you think of yourself as someone who has that passion, has that gifting, and I haven't talked to you about that yet, yet, or I don't know about that. Let me know. I can, I can loop you in and help train you up to be someone who says, okay, we've got more than, more than just a need. We've got a crisis here that someone, someone needs to be carried through. Home groups will carry each other to a certain degree, but uh, here's where I and my team step in and say, uh, how can we care for you in your crisis? So meeting every need is, is, is a, a really interesting thing that the early church did. And you know, we, we meet as many needs as a church as possible. And one way to do that is through caring for one another. And we'll do that through our pastoral care team with, and with home groups a little bit. But also a way to do that is to say, how can we care for as many needs as possible outside our community? How can we get outside ourselves a little bit and care for each other? How can we get outside ourselves a little bit and care for Thunder Bay? And we've got a team of people right now who are planning a once a month service opportunity for our church. Uh, they're part of our church. They're, they've been doing great work over the course of the last year. And um, coming going forward, there'll be a, once a month a chance for you to, to jump in and serve together as a community, the larger Thunder Bay community, a little bit more. So there's going to be some of that going on as well. Uh, and so basically it's this. If I had to put it all together, oh, this is my picture, I forgot. I love this picture. It's just like a church, what, how does a church care for all these needs? Sheltering young people, encouraging folks when they're, uh, you know, going in the in the marriage process, helping them grieve when they when they lose a, lo- a lost one, and how do we grieve as a community when we lose 
when we lose someone. This is a very interesting picture for me that talks about pastoral care being in the midst of your pain and your crises. Uh, but here's the thing. What does being engaged at Grassroots Church look like? And this is, I'm going to end here. Uh, being engaged at Grassroots. Sunday mornings, home groups, and once a month service. Here's, here, here's what I'm going to tell you. And I, I've been talking with this with a number of people. That oftentimes, there's a lot that goes on at church. A lot that goes on uh, in a community. And there's like lots of good and interesting things that come up on the, on, on the Facebook Grassroots page or in our newsletter, which is you can sign up for on the info piano in the newsletter or in uh, the grassroots page there's oftentimes like uh, someone today was like I was going to invite the church over for a barbecue at my house if it was warm like you look on the page an ad hoc thing comes up and you think oh people are gathering at so and so's house that's awesome those things should continue um, sometimes a, a, a documentary or a movie comes up or a really good initiative, initiative comes up out of the larger Christian community. There's all sorts of things that churches can do. And yet we can get so bombarded by all the good things to do that we're not sure what, what are we meant to do. And so I think this happened a bit last year when, when um, lots of good things bubbled up and it felt like, man, we're at church every weekend. We're at church every third, you know, every, every other Wednesday night. And... Uh, and I think unless you, unless you put a bar of where, where, what it means to be engaged somewhere, you can start thinking, I need to do all those things if I'm succeeding as a grassroots or if I'm an engaged grassroots. So here's where I set the bar for us this year. And this isn't to say that if you don't do these three things, you're out and you're not part of this thing. That's not what's happening here. I'm just going to keep saying that publicly. Uh, you have to set a bar somewhere so that you guys don't rec- feel like you're not succeeding by doing all the extra stuff that comes up. All the extra stuff. So here's the bar. Come to Sunday mornings fairly regularly. (laughs) I know you can't come every week. Stuff happens. But again, we devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching here on Sunday morning and to prayer. And so uh, the more that you come, the more that you get out of it. The more consistent your faith will be, the more that you're in community and and worshiping. So come to Sunday mornings fairly regularly. Uh, Be part of a home group. And again, if I do my job well, it'll feel like eventually, if you want to be, you'll be part of a home group. Uh, and come to a once-a-month service. And that's it. That's what it means to be an engaged grassrooter. Um, and uh, over the course of time, too, as our resources grow, as our abilities grow as a church, there'll be more stuff to do. Like last week I talked about there's going to be two, and if you missed last week, you can check it out on the podcast, there's going to be two seminars this fall. On, one of them is going to be on Christian praying. How do we pray? Friday night, all day Saturday thing. And uh, then there's going to be a seminar on the authority of Scripture. What's the Bible? Why is it holy? How do we, how do we think about it? That's going to be Friday night, all day Saturday. So again, that's not up here. That's an extra. That's a bonus. You get bonus points if you come to those things. You don't have to come to those things to be an engaged grass reader. So lots of stuff will bubble up. And as time goes on, I think we'll see more and more good things coming out of, out of the community. But it's going to be consistent. If you want to be engaged at grassroots, do these three things. Come to Sunday mornings fairly regularly, be part of a home group, and come to a once a month service opportunity. Anyway, I'm sure that leaves you with all sorts of good questions and curiosities. And uh, as we go forward, yeah, there'll probably be fits and starts. Probably all won't be perfect. Uh, we're, we're not perfect people. And so um, the, the key will be gentleness and over-communication. We'll be gentle with one another as we try to go forward and we'll try to keep communicating with each other. So if you ever have any thought or idea or question or concern, you let me know. 
talk to me or talk to someone that you know um, is part of kind of the leadership uh, team of um, running this. So, yeah, I think I'll stop there. Um, and all that to say, you know, Grassroots Church has been an amazing, lovely movement of people building for God's kingdom. And uh, as we go forward, I think you'll see that the way that things are being designed, whether I'm designing things, whether the leadership is designing things, uh, is, a, is a in step and in the same heartbeat as grassroots has always been. And the way that we're talking about this going forward is grassrooters, we have this sense of a calling and it's an ancient calling and it's to spread the knowledge of the Lord, as Isaiah says, over the whole earth. And what is the knowledge of the Lord but the self-sacrificial love of Jesus? And so what do we want to do? We want to spread the selfless love of Jesus across the earth far and wide, especially in Thunder Bay here where, where we live. And, and to do so, you know, what, how do we do that uniquely? We're going to do these four things. We're going to try to hit uh, breaking of bread in each other's homes, devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching, devoting ourselves to prayer, um, and meeting every need by sheltering vulnerable people. Here's, here's the uniqueness. Sheltering vulnerable people. Sheltering vulnerable people. We just want to do that over and over again as we already are. We want to create and shape bright disciples, disciples who are both inspirational to those around them and who are learned. They think through what, they know what they believe, what, they know why they believe what they believe. And we want to restore faith. There are a lot of people whose faith is broken out there in God and humanity. We want to be a place where it's safe to come and, and kind of fall apart in our faith but not just fall apart, but be built back up and have our faith restored in God. And there are so many people out there that will benefit from this work, from this mission, from this vision. And I'm so looking forward to the next months and years ahead with Grassroots. Um, next week, we're going to be out again at, at Camp Aurora. So come out to Camp Aurora at 11.15 on, on Sunday. I'm going to be talking next week about why it's important for us, for our faith, to, to experience awe in God's creation. And then we're going to jump in the week after September 10th is our kickoff. I'm beginning to talk about Jesus, just like we talked about Moses. Stick with Jesus. Who is he? Why is he so, such a, a, a mystery to us? And um, how do we get to know him more? That's where we're going in, in the teaching time. Okay, thanks for sitting through the family meeting here. Uh, the kind of behind-the-scenes stuff, especially if you're new. Um, but as we go forward, my prayer for this community is um, that we might come to know the Lord Jesus so, so much more than we already do and that we might be shaped into his very presence and love in the world. And as we do so, we, we recognize that part of this process, part of this calling is to come week in and week out together to the table that he reminds us and, and instructs us to come to. It's take my body, which was broken for you, Take it inside of you and let it digest inside of you to become part of your cellular structure. Dip it in the juice, which is the, my blood, and take in my sacrifice as you learn to go and give the sacrificial love to those around you. So we come to the table once again with the bread and the juice, and we dip it in with our prayer. What's your prayer today? I don't know what your prayer is. My prayer is that, but you all might have different prayers and different things God has been speaking to you. This is a chance for you to come and respond, to, um, to take the bread, dip it in, and, and offer a prayer up to God about whatever's on your heart, whatever you need today, whatever he's speaking to you. Give him thanks. 
Uh, and as we do so, we, we, we come together into his presence as he heals and reminds us that he is our Lord. So the table, my friends, is set for you, for me. Uh, and everyone here is welcome.